because of the John Favreau movie, actually. And yeah, I told I told uh, Mark Brooks that if you have pronouns in your bio, you're retarded. And he he got pretty mad about that. So, you know, so it works now. But we are joined here with uh, the Todd Black, actually. Uh, awesome guy. We're going to have him on a few weeks back, but he was busy launching his um, Kickstarter campaign for his new uh, comic book. He is trying to get funded, actually. And it's awesome to have him here. He's a long tenured uh veteran in this space too which is crazy i was looking through a lot of your work and you just uh you're just all types of a legend you had yeah yeah all your uh greatest works out there a lot of people like your work actually so i'm honored well, to hear you say that well let's see uh let's start with your origin story before we get to the juicy stuff which is uh yeah, obviously you got the spider-man uh Venom. symbol right right there yeah you ready for spider-man 2 to come out for the ps5 actually yes i have i work my real day job is that mm -hmm. I'm a website writer, and okay. I and so I I work for you know various uh, comic book and gaming websites, and one of the things I've been covering a lot is Marvel Spider-Man Two, and mm -hmm. sadly I will not be getting the game on launch day because of this little thing called I don't have a PS5. However, I, when yes. it comes to PC, and we all know it's going to come to PC, I will get it <laughs> then, and I will enjoy it just like I did the original and Miles Morales spinoff. So. Do you know the only criticism that I found that was really dumb about the first game was that people tried levying towards it. It wasn't even about the game itself. It was the fact that it looks like a Marvel's version of the Arkham series. And I told people the Arkham games are 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 great. Yeah, They're, that's except for like, yeah, except for like that that black that Arkham Blackgate Origins Nintendo DS game, which people try to lump it together with the console yeah. ones, which I don't understand. The first Spider-Man game that they put out five years ago, which is crazy. It was five years ago. Yeah, it's an absolute years. banger. I didn't just chance that I never played the game myself because I never had a, had a PS4, but I did go through and watch all the, all the cutscenes. So I know all that happened and all what happened in the story. So when they announced that Venom wasn't going to be Eddie Brock, I was like, Oh, well that's going to be Harry. Oh no. Or it might be Norman Osborn. Yeah. Who knows? They, they still got twists. Like that's the thing about this game. And going back to your original comment. Yes. Arkham paved the way for so much. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Spider-Man took that, and not unlike the Arkham games, went in its own direction. Like that's right, the important yeah. thing, you know. Yes, there are numerous numerous similarities, but that's the beauty of it. They wanted to give fans mm -hmm. something familiar, but then it's like, no, this isn't Batman. This is Spider-Man, mm -hmm. and you can have a lot of fun with it, and it's a lot of fun. So, oh, and what I think the Spider-Man game did better is that it captured the it's. What I like about certain properties like that is they capture the feel of the character. You can tell the feel of the, you. You can feel like this character. Like in the Arkham games, people always this one thing people always told me about what they really like about them. They could feel like they're Batman in these yeah. games. You know, in the Spider-Man game, you could feel like you're Spider-Man. Like this oh, is yeah. Peter Parker right here. You know. Yeah. Well, and either one, like you felt amazing when you were swinging around new york like this is like the game to experience true mm -hmm. web slinging and then you get yeah. into combat with like the different combos you can do and everything and like either slipping in and out uh doing moves that batman could only dream about let's just be honest and you know this the games are incredible and they're their mm -hmm. own universe which means their own stories like and i know you saw the cutscene, so this isn't a spoiler but like when aunt may died i'm like oh crap <laughs> That threw me off. I but, genuinely yeah. thought they wouldn't have went there. Yeah, I was like, like okay. That's, that's the traditional story. Oh, of course he's going to save Aunt May. And like, mm -hmm. no. And that's going to affect the second game. which Yeah, which is clearly to. different from the Arkham City game. Because Batman actually wanted to save Joker. But the Joker's undoing did him in. Him yeah. pulling one of those jokes cost him his life actually yeah. you know and, and that was that was important and then of course everything went off the rails with Arkham Knight but we will not talk about that one so yes I do agree honestly and I I, I haven't had a chance to play Arkham Knight ever because you know I didn't have PS4 but I did go through the, the entire game and see what happens I was like I don't know what people are saying I I still think City is the best one but oh City is the best it's I get why people like Origins Origins has a great story to it but yes. If you're talking about it from day, because I remember growing up with these games and hearing everything about them as I was growing up, right? Yes. Yeah. Outside of Arkham Asylum, because I, I got in that city when that dropped and I was going through everything when they announced that and Origins. And I remember the reason why people didn't like Origins, it wasn't because of the story. No one ever says the story is bad. You never hear people say the story is bad. The story is actually really good. Mm -hmm. Problem is the game, it's a bait and switch. A lot of people still don't like that. You know, people claim that they don't like bait and switches with that game it was marketed as you fight assassins and black mask and it was going to be this game where you kind of take on a more underrated batman villain 
people knew Joker would be a part of that. So most people thought Joker was going to be one of the assassins, actually, where he has an interaction with him on a different level. The game kind of did a bait and switch. They, yeah. they basically did what the Batman Hush movie did, except the story was actually really good to the point where people yeah. were like, I did not, I did not like how they handled the Batman Hush movie. Like, yeah, they're no, so lucky that their so story bad. was really good. Otherwise, that would have just completely ruined that whole game. Actually, yeah. you know. I but agree. we'll get into your origin story. So, how did you grow up, man? Uh, well, I uh, I grew up on superheroes. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up on the '90s golden age of superhero cartoons. You know, Batman animated series, Superman animated right. series, yeah. Justice League, Spider Man, X Men, like everything had like a really good animated series. Oh, those were the days, and that that would influence me heavily throughout the years. And then when I went to college uh, for video game writing, actually, I went to my very first Comic Con in C two E two, and I went to a panel called "Making Comics the Marvel Way," and I had been throwing around this idea for my own superhero comic series and i i went to the panel and at the time was wait for it iron man writer matt fraction and because he was doing his legendary run after uh uh during dark rain and i asked you know i i, I have an idea for a comic what should i do and matt fraction looks at me he goes if you want to make a comic go find an artist and go make the comic okay two years later <laughs> <laughs> I, I find out that it's a lot harder to make a comic and because you need this thing called money and I needed to find an artist and it, it took me a while but eventually I made my first comic uh, Guardians number zero and then I made number one then number two then I almost went broke and so I had to stop and so about nine months after that I got back into making comics and things slowly started churning we made uh, 20 issues of that series before I put a pause on it and then I just had all these other ideas I wanted to make and so I went to Kickstarter, which is part of the reason I'm here. And I started making like one series after another, after another, after another. And because I just have all these ideas in my head, and people often ask me, well, tell why you make all these different kinds of stories instead of focusing on one. And I'm like, because a whole lot of people like a whole lot of series or genres. You know, not everyone is a superhero fan. Okay, so here's fantasy, here's sci-fi, here's anime, here's Disney Pixar style, here's a mystery book. You know, I've gotten so many customers at my Comic-Con tables because I have a variety versus just one genre that I can do rather well. And I love those genres, too. Every genre I write in is something that I have a connection with one way or another via comics or movies or video games or television. So it all speaks to me. And I've got a lot more ideas left in my head that I want to create. So it's crazy that you bring up uh, all this because people usually tend to have one uh, genre they stick to. Remember, even the YouTube algorithm always tells you, I mean, or like how YouTube algorithm puts you in or how anybody does things on like Twitch and all these places with anything involving the internet. You stick it, by, you stick by one thing, you pick something that you've always liked, that you love a lot, you stick with one thing, and then you grow that way. But the more I got older, man, the more I told people on my other YouTube channel that I had to lose because you know youtube's rules or whatever which was um you know i love so many things it's not that i don't love Yu-Gi-Oh. it's more like i want to talk about different things though there's days i want to talk about just anime there's days i want to talk about just video games or i don't know anything else i've learned throughout my whole life involving a lot a lot of this stuff you know no that's exactly how it is and it's it's not wrong to love one thing over everything else but you know you have different tastes you have different things that you love and and then just things open up to where it's like oh i have this new appreciation for this particular genre because look at all these things that have come out recently anime is a great example when i grew up the main anime that i was watching was pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, dragon ball uh and whatever else was on toonami and that was it and then after that well when that kind of went away i I dabbled in anime here and there, but it was just never really on TV. Then about 10 years ago, we had the anime boom because of Attack on Titan, because of My Hero Academia, because of uh, The Turn of Dragon Ball. And everything started to grow from there. And now you got Jujutsu Kaisen and Chainsaw Man and all these anime. They're just like, uh, holy crap, these are actually like, really cool or really dark or really deep and you almost wonder and then and like every season now there's a new anime season like a season that's like oh what's the ones i might be watching now we didn't have that 10 plus years ago but we have it now 
And that's why anime is so huge again. So mm-hmm. sometimes things just open up. You're like, you know what? Maybe it is time to jump back into that. And you get your love all over again. So, oh, Spy X Family. There's one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I think you, your your genres, I was looking, you did Guardian, Greatest Detective. It's also based around Sherlock Holmes itself. Yeah. Then you also had, it was, a, man, I can't remember the name. Fudging Hell. Oh, my God. It was the girl one. Home? 10,000 Miles, right? No. Yeah. No, 10,000 10, Miles about the brothers. Home is about the Home, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So let's go through a lot of these stories that you're actually known for. So let's start with Guardians. You, okay. you met Matt Fraction, legendary uh, comic book writer guy, and then that kind of gave the inspiration to do this. So Guardians, how long have you been with this series? You created this a long time ago. I'm, I'm See, imagine, this right? this was my very first series. This is the one that – So how long ago? It's been like, what, eight years, ten years, something like that? Eight, eight, eight nine years, uh, give or take. Okay. And they do a celebration, a uh, one shot issue like some books do actually. Maybe yeah. the main character is like all married now, he has all kids and stuff. He's sitting by the fire, telling like back in my day, kids, <laughs> grandpa, tell me the stories. You never know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that was the first series I did, and that was in the I'm only gonna do superhero comics mode. So I was in that mode at one point in time because superheroes was my thing and I loved it. And I again, I wrote twenty issues of that thing, of that mm-hmm. series, which still sell to this day. And it was popular. It was just my take on the superhero genre about two beings brought into a city to defend it, but wondering if there was more to their life than just the purpose mm-hmm. they were created for. And I really liked it. I had some really really deep ideas, and I did things that I, I, I apparently made an impression because people were like, "Man, this feels like old school Saturday morning cartoons." And I'm like, "I love that. I'll take that and run with it. Like, give, give me that kind of a compliment." and that was great and then i was just you know i got to a point where i was like you know i've done 20 issues you know five volumes let's let's work to the next one and i had this idea for uh oni press they were doing an open uh submission which they i don't think they've done ever since but uh it is massive open submission and then the only two rules were it can't be superheroes which obviously hurt and it has to be a miniseries or a graphic novel like one shot and i'm like okay so i had this idea like grand grand scale idea like multiverse levels of madness not like the Doctor strange movie that was horrible uh but hot tech but uh I, then i was like okay i gotta, gotta be a mini series so i'm like okay so i scaled it down and that became about home which is about alicia who's uh born with natural blue hair and gets taken to a world nights of monsters and has to try and find her way home if she can get home and she wants to go home. And that was my very first Kickstarter success. And I was so stressed because I had tried Kickstarter before for various things, including Guardians, and they never got it to work. But eventually I was able to, uh, I, I made home number one and it was a huge success on Kickstarter. Uh, I'll have a lot of stress on my body. I'm sure I got some gray hairs that that, that month. Uh, I've obviously sure you have a lot of hair, so yeah, I know. I, I, yeah. I plucked them out, so I was fine. But you know, it it, it was definitely there. So what was the feeling part. when you got when you could see the book actually done? Relief, relief, and joy. Mm-hmm. Because unlike with Guard, I funded Guardians all by myself. Like that's one of the reasons I made that joke about going broke. That wasn't a joke. That actually almost happened because I was spending so much money trying to make these comics with mm-hmm. kickstarter it was you know people were wanting to help me make the comic and so when i got mm-hmm. home number one uh finished it was not just my creation it was their creation you know because they helped me make this and so i'm like okay let's get to the next one and so we did two through five we got it all funded then we did Ten Thousand miles which is my dixie pixar style story and that remains my highest grossing Kickstarter ever, which is so odd to me. But mm-hmm. hey, you know, people like what people like. And so they got that one done. Then I wrote up, started writing my Sherlock Holmes mystery novels, Sherlock Holmes, The Greatest Detective. Got six of those out now. Then I just started working on other series and I've got so many going. And now my current one, which is on the Kickstarter right now, is Tokyo Blade Detectives, my anime comic. Mm-hmm. And I'm very proud of that one. That one took me like two years to get done, just because I needed to find the right artist, get the right, get the uh, other books done, and then focus like solely on that. Because I don't like spreading myself out too thin, but I will when the right situation happens. So, mm-hmm. but Tokyo, it was not a situation like, are people going to want to read this anime comic? And then I hit like a hundred some odd backers in the first issue. I'm like, okay, they want to read this comic. Like, this is nice. So, eight issues later, we're still going. Okay. So you've been able to get multiple books funded. So do you think there's a, 
one or more possible interesting ways that you would say to people that are going to watch this that are going to be like, how do I get my book funded? Because I always tell people this and no one really gets this. I hope they would because, you know, they're adults. But, you know, concepts are hard for people to grasp, which is even though if, if you hit your goal, like on any go or Kickstarter, people have to understand there's people that out there, many out there that don't even hit their goals for this in general. No. Like they actually don't get it funded. You know, yeah. so I told people, even if you somehow go, let's say not broke or even breaking, even doing it, you, at least you were able to finally see the book to come to fruition. Right. Because yeah. people don't understand if you don't have a, have a comic book shop Wednesdays, a lot has to go into that to even have it as a thing or even a free comic book day or however people will want to view that. Right. Because to see a new book on a shelf, there's been a lot of hands that have touched that book before you even seen it kind of fruition mm -hmm. on that week right so yeah. asking you because you've been doing this for a long time is how do you constantly improve and get an audience for your work because that seems to be the really biggest challenge a lot of people face now with this yeah and and for the record i face that challenge as well um mm -hmm. for example in the current one that uh tokyo blade Texas number eight which is on kickstarter right now mm -hmm. i yesterday i had arguably my worst day not just in not getting a lot of backers but I lost a backer who had pledged a hundred dollars mm -hmm. and that like really hurt. Cause I, like, he was like one of my first backers and yet he was the first to cancel. And so like, I have no idea why that happened. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we all have these struggles for me. It was absolutely a case of throw everything at the wall and hope it sticks. Cause again, I had, I had failed, I think three Kickstarters beforehand. One was just natural failure. That was just a stupid thing for me to do. The other two, I put a lot of effort into and it just didn't work out. Then home, I was like, okay, I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. I looked at other Kickstarters to see like how they structured rewards. I made sure that I had the first five it, uh, pages of the comic done. I do that for all my Kickstarters. I always make sure that you're not just seeing the covers. I want you to see the interiors because you know the covers and interiors can look totally different depending on your artists. So I do that. I always make sure my rewards are accessible. And... Uh, if you can only pledge a few bucks, I make sure you get something good. If you can pledge a lot of money, I make sure you get something good. But I don't like, like, oh, you have to, you know, you have to be this tall to ride this ride. No, it's, you can pledge one buck. That's great. You're going to get something. If you pledge a hundred bucks, you're going to get something better. And, you know, that, that's how Kickstarter should be. And it is. So I worked at that. And then over time, I just built up a loyal following. And I've done it slower than others. And I acknowledge that. Uh, you know, again, I, I struggle to get uh, to build up an audience because sometimes people say, oh, yeah, I'll support you. And then they don't. That's just human nature. It happens. But I think also it, it pertains to taste in terms of what people like. Like, for example, I know I believe in my heart of hearts that Tokyo Boy Detectives is one of the best comics I've ever done. And it's visually stunning. It's got great characters, uh, great action sequences. My artist, Lam Vivan, is incredible. And I know that I can take this as far as I want to, because like an anime, it's got a lot of potential outside of these first few arcs. And But the problem is that some people will say like, oh, it's an anime. I don't really like anime. Like, well, it's a little bit more than that. And some people won't give me the chance. Others will take that risk. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad I tried out this comic. And I'm like, I'm glad you did too. So, and then there are other uh, books on Kickstarters. I won't say what exactly, because it, it does change with the times but there are certain kinds of stories that will draw people in instantly even if they don't like look through all the rewards or all the 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 the, the book art they'll say like oh it's that kind of a story and then they'll pledge to it and that that happens and people have leaned into it. i actually have a really good friend who leaned into that recently and she got over two thousand backers on her kickstarter which is mind-blowing to me but and and for, just because like that's not her whole following that's that's just for that book but because she made that kind of a book like bam two thousand and like tens of thousands of dollars so you know it's there's a lot that goes into it but you you i think said the wisest thing where even if you just break even even if you just just make the goal you still made the goal you can mm -hmm. make your comic now i like to say that I never make profit on my Kickstarters, which is very true because between the the paying of the artist, the shipping, and then starting on the next book, I'm not using any of that money for me. 
I'm using for the next book. I'm using it on the current book. And then I move on. Mm-hmm. And so I never see as Kickstarter as for profit. I know some people who do because they make right. that amount of money and props yeah. to that. I am jealous. I am not afraid to say that. I am jealous. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy because people have to understand those campaigns where people are able to make money off of and well, you would you would think they're living off of it potentially. I guess why they say it. These campaigns are like ten thousand, like up to ten to twenty k, sometimes even sixty k that they get raised for funding. Actually, you know, and these are like huge names too. And something that also people don't understand is name value. You call like like in traditional sports. I'm if you're a fan of that or like esports. This name recognition goes a long way. Absolutely. So like there was this there was a study back a few years ago. I'm pretty sure you saw it where the reason why people would even go to movies after like the, you know, Wuhan virus hit was um, name value on the movies, like the actors names. If there was an actor or an actress that they knew would give them potentially a good movie, that's why they would go see it. Name value goes a long way. If you've been building up a good name for yourself for so long, people find goodwill with that and they want, they'll willingly support it. Now there's that other dark angle to that too, where people who, what you'll be around will say they'll support your work, but then they don't. Now, now for me, I have to figure out why would someone say they want to support me and they don't. But I guess this that's what people do. They just kind of say the right thing because that's just the easiest thing to do. It's kind of how I theorized it over these many years, actually. It's so weird. It's like if you don't want to support, you don't you're not obligated to. I, I was just saying if you want to do it, you can, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a very complicated process, and Kickstarter has evolved greatly over the years that I've been using mm-hmm. it, and even today. But uh, a great example for your name recognition is uh, Brent Sanderson, the author. Mm-hmm. Like he did a Kickstarter out of the blue for one of his new books, and it like day one, like thousands of backers, mm-hmm. thousands, because that's who he is. He's this famous author who's known for quality. Of books, and then he took his success and actually went around and pledged to other Kickstarters just to support them, which I'm sure made so many people have like, oh my gosh, this famous author put back my book, and I'm like, that's that's really awesome. But you know, he he can do that kind of name recognition, and there are video game studios who sometimes uh, do that. Uh, I remember in like the earlier days, uh, Veronica Mars got an entire movie funded on Kickstarter just because they promised that they were going to bring the original cast back, and they did. And you know that's name that's name brand. I am not a name brand. I am just a humble guy with a fro. But uh, I I'm trying to build up my name. And the people who have read my comics and have been with me since the beginning of, of Home and Ten Thousand Miles and even Tokyo, hmm. I I deliver my rewards on time. If they're not on time, I let them know, and I make sure that they get the best comic possible. And then that's why they keep coming back. So if I had to build it up slowly that way, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Hmm. And what do you think, because you've been doing this for a while, so I want to ask you this too. How does someone improve just writing a story in general if they're writing for a specific genre? It's, uh, for me, it's not just about, how do I say this, how do I say this fairly? Uh, some of it is some of it is instinct. I'll, I will admit that. Because like with Tokyo, when I came up with that idea, it was in the most random way possible. And then all of a sudden the floodgates opened in my head mm-hmm. and I had like all these ideas. And I'm like, so I, ha- I actually had to write them down because I had so many. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, here's the ideas. How do I build that up? And sometimes it was just easy. I'm like, okay, this mm-hmm. character is going to do this. This character is going to do this. This is what's going to happen in the future arc, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and then other times when you're really writing, like especially like the longer form stories, like with my novels that I do, Sometimes you just need to keep writing for so long that you just develop the characters of voice in your head. Like when I really started writing, it was a fan fiction. Uh, and after, in the beginning, I was petrified because I'm like, Is, are these characters going to sound wooden? Are they, are they not going to be enjoyable? Are people not going to like them? And then by the end of the book, I was very easily saying, okay, this person's going to say this, this person's going to say this, you know, oh, this is the choice that they would make and why. And it wasn't even hard. I'm like, no, that's who, that's who she is. No, that's who he is. That's what they would totally do. You know, that you're so in tune with them by a certain point that you know what's going to happen, even if you don't realize it up until that story point. So my biggest piece of advice is just you keep writing. And if you aren't sure what you're writing, you, you'll you'll realize like, hey, this is going to be something good. And if you're absolutely unsure, you ask a friend. 
I've had multiple stories get looked over by friends, editors, fellow writers, and I go, hey, I'm at a loss here. And then they'll say something. I'm like, that's what I needed. And then I can take the story off into the direction I need it to. So sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's just the process. And sometimes you need a helping hand. There's many, many ways to improve. So do you think for a, a writer that they should dibble and dabble in different genres to improve their craft, like learn from different artists, I say writers about what other crafts might be to hone in their own. Hmm. I've heard a lot of writers tell me that they've actually gone outside of their genres to read other things outside the box to get, you know, inspired or certain ideas that might be applicable in their own story. You know, it's, There's a joke I like to make uh, from the show Red versus Blue. <laughs> it's it's uh, you know why are you trying to get out outside the box? The box is there for a reason. Um, I like the box. I was like, <laughs> I like the box. It's safe inside the box. Okay, for some people that is absolutely what they should do, but for other people, it might not. It, with writing, with art, with podcasts, sometimes you just need to do what you feel is best, and sometimes you do need to do that reach i did the reach because of situations i was doing guardians i was happy with guardians but then the idea started to pop up and that open submission happened and uh i didn't get the submission so i went to kickstarter because i'm like i want to make these stories for some people they they love a genre they love the genre so much that this is what they want to do and they could think of a thousand ideas with that genre i have a friend uh who loves the horror genre and he does really good horror stories. Like sometimes it'll be more like uh, just like spooky horror. Sometimes it's more like psychedelic horror. I know he's done a Cthulhu story because who hasn't at this point? Me. Uh, maybe one day, but not right now. Uh, and he's done like, you know, mystery horror. And then like then out of the blue, he does a superhero comic. And it's a really deep and like, not I don't say menacing, uh, like intense superhero story. But he did it because he wanted to and he found the right artist the right story and but still the overwhelming majority is is horror for me i love having the variety because i love all these genres i watch all sorts of genres all the gosh dang time yes i still love superheroes and seen pretty much every marvel and uh dc comics movie in theaters uh, or on max or disney plus and blah blah blah, blah. but uh there's too much uh but i also like just this past few weekends i watched uh, ahsoka on Disney Plus, my TV's over there. Uh, I watched Only Murders in the Building on Hulu, which is an incredibly funny show, and I love that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna, I gotta catch up on Justified, Primeval City, also on Hulu. Okay. Um, you know, Raylan Givens, he's great. Uh, and I, I also love, I've, I've watched, I watch cop dramas, I watch, uh, you know, lots of murder mysteries, I watch cartoons, I watch anime, mm-hmm. you know. I pull from everything and I get inspired by any, everything. I have a comic coming up that was inspired by only murders in the building. And it's just because I was just watching an episode. I'm like, this is so funny, but wouldn't it be interesting if they did this, 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 and this, and I'm like, oh, that's a story idea. And so I wrote it down. Uh, that happens all the time. So, but for other people that might not work, that might not happen. And there's nothing wrong with looking at other writers and saying like, oh, I'm inspired by this writer or I'm inspired by this writer. I never had that personally. There are writers that I adore because I know that they write what's true to themselves and the work speaks for itself. Like a, like a Scott Snyder, a Gail Simone, a Jimmy Palmiotti. You know, they are incredible writers. And um, But I wouldn't say I've styled myself off of them. I just have a heavy respect for what they do because of the works that I've read of them. And I know many people feel the same way. So sometimes you do need to go outside the box. And sometimes it's just be nice being in the dang box mm-hmm. so uh, what about modern comic books actually so what was the last comic book series you read or maybe you stopped reading because you didn't like it so much or if you still currently are buying stuff what are you getting, I read, actually i read comics every wednesday i am that guy i have i go to good, the store good. every wednesday which because you, you know what's one. dropping this week that i forgot got huh? uh justice league versus godzilla and king kong yeah, I, I'll admit I'm not interested in that one. It, what? But... That, that concept didn't interest you? No, actually, it didn't. It really... Did you get? Uh, did you like Wolverine versus Predator? I did not read that one. 
mine should be coming in. I, that just sounds so cool. Wolverine versus Predator. How could that not entice anybody? You know? Well, I'll tell you. Well, um, unless you weren't actually a fan of Predator or Alien, then. Well, I honestly never watched any of those movies. Mm-hmm. I know. I'm a heathen. I'll deal with it. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, and, and th- that, to me, that actually speaks to a grander problem in comics. If they can't come up with original ideas, they, then they go to, hey, what kind of a crossover can I make? And, like, Godzilla versus Kong, that's mm-hmm. a crossover I can support. And I liked the movie that they did a mm-hmm. few years back during the pandemic. But I don't need to see in the versus the Justice League. And technically, they had Godzilla versus Marvel in uh, Avengers, like, decades back. Uh, like he had a he had a tug of war with a building with Thor, and I'm like, okay, and I I just that doesn't interest me because of I guess what I like and everything. Uh, now in terms of X Men, I love what they've done uh, with the Krakoa arc. Um, I'm enjoying Fall of X and seeing where they go with that. I'm very curious about what happens after that because they're already teasing mm-hmm. the end, whatever that may be. Um. I read, I read the Justice League. I read Titans. I read a lot of Batman comics. Nightwing. I got a lot of stuff. right now. Uh, Power yeah. Rangers. Uh, Gar- oh, Power Rangers! They have the uh, the new Master Vile arc going on right now. The twelve yeah. issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm curious about that one too. Like that's one of the comics where I'm a diehard Power Rangers fan, and I'm like, yeah. I love this. I love the comics. Like Kyle Higgins, Jason Perot, and, and who who's writing it now, or then the person who's writing it now. But I'm like. This is like stretching canon to like the infinite degree, you know? Yeah, yeah. What I've learned about the Power Rangers comic book universe. So I, I always thought to myself, why did the show pull from the comic book? So I had to learn. I A few months back, I literally dove as far as I could back into the history of the Power Rangers comic books. That would be more complicated than Marvel and DC stuff. I told people, there's no way that I, I'd explain it to you in just one podcast because my brain would actually just info dump so much on you. But for the <laughs> most part, it is technically true. They do kind of reboot back to Mighty Morphin. You know, like most people say, comic series reboot back to issue number ones. That's kind of a thing for Mighty Morphin Power just to be like their their base core reboot of things and they branch off ideas from that. So right now you have the Master Vile one. Back in the day, there was a fuse back. There was a series that was Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Then it was just Power Rangers, even though it was kind of the exact same thing because Mm -hmm. they wanted to sell with the name of Mighty Morphin and the Power Rangers. There's like Trini's, like the Omega Ranger, because they kept yep. her alive in that constantly, which is I think is really, really, really cool, actually. What else is going on there? They had, they had the 30th anniversary special. Yep. Amy Jo Johnson is doing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers The Return, which is basically a new series that's going based on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, where they're just Power Rangers as adults now, which is a concept they did a thousand times already, but whatever. We'll, we'll see yeah. we'll see what she's doing because she always gets like shit from the fans. Like, oh, you're not in the series anymore. You're embarrassed of it. No, she's written the stories in the books that's fine it's still involved with the franchise don't be on camera anymore to be doing this and they have the ranger academy which just recently came out right so, yeah you know What's and you know they, they can branch it out as much as they want as like, oh the lord dragon so everyone knows about the lord dragon stuff that stuff was yeah, yeah. kyle yeah. higgins man like he mm-hmm. he went big with shattered grid and you know dragon's iconic now ironically so mm-hmm. rest in peace jdf so but uh. you know i i love reading comics and these comics do inspire me but they also as ironic as it sounds, inspire me what not to do. <laughs> it's true. I'll re- like I, you did a little mini uh, Iron Man rant to start the podcast. It's totally fun. <laughs> um, but like, I've had that kind of feeling with other characters and other storylines. But Dan and... Slott told us that nothing can go wrong with these characters if you have them so long. Dan Slott said that basically you can just do whatever with one of these characters and everyone's just going to support them because they have a brand recognizable name to them. No, that's just not true. People actually will just give up on a character. If you give some people enough bullshit for so long, they actually will straight up just stop. It's just how people function. There are people who will do that. There are others. Right, who yeah. Will, there, are, there are people who will fall out for a time and then come back as in all things it just depends mm-hmm. on the person yeah. um like i ironically with all due respect to mr slot uh mm-hmm. i don't read spider-man comics not because i was ticked off by an arc i just mm-hmm. for whatever reason never well, it's too convoluted well it, that was one issue when yeah. i came into comics i was 18 so like i'm this that's you know 18 years plus everything else that had happened and so one of the reasons i i, I ironically uh mm-hmm. read dc more than marvel is that dc has had more reboots in the time that i've been in comics for better and for worse but like they had numerous like number ones like uh the new 52 i didn't read justice league up until new 52 
even though it was Justice League. You know, I, I knew about certain things they went through and the characters, but it wasn't until New 52, I'm like, okay, everything's restarted. Where can I go from? And X-Men was the same way. Like, X-Men has had numerous, you know, inside the realm reboots that have helped me keep keep going. And then the Krakoa arc is another great example of that. And I'm all over that. Like, I love the stories they've done with Krakoa. And I have ideas I would have loved to do with Krakoa, but now that's not going to happen, apparently. So, but, you know, there are times that I've read a comic, I'm like, this is great. And then I've read a comic and I go, what am I reading? Yeah. <laughs> There, there will be books where, because I know it's more modern day stuff. I have to read your synopsis. Uh, there, <laughs> I, I like that. I told people not everything in modern stuff is bad, but I would read the synopsis before you paid anything, just so you don't get you feel like you waste your money. Because I know money can be kind of tight for some people, and that this is a hobby they use to, you know, distress. Yeah, distress and use it to kind of get through your day, and you can get a lot of books and just read them. Read the synopsis. Actually, read the synopsis, people, because some of these synopsis are terrible. Some of these are absolutely abysmal. I know you don't read Spider-Man. You know who? You know Kurt Wagner is Nightcrawler, right? Somehow he's Spider-Man. I was scrolling through. I was like, wait, Kurt Wagner? I was like, Nightcrawler. That's Nightcrawler. But Spider-Man. I was like, nope. That oh, okay. What are we doing? And Nightcrawler, Nightcrawler, Spider-Man. I don't know how he ended up being Spider-Man. Maybe it was a good story. I don't. I don't know. But. How the it hell was good, is he Nightcrawler? and they explained it. I do promise you that because oh, it's, thank it's, God. It's, it, okay, I'll I'll just tell you. Bad things are going on in Krakoa right now, mm-hmm. and the mutants are on like a high level of alert of in terms of annihilation. Mm-hmm. Kurt had already left Krakoa because of a personal issue, and then mm-hmm. when he found out about what was going on, he still wants to help people, but he knows mm-hmm. he can't go around saying he's a mutant. So what does he do? He goes to Spider-Man and he asks for his help and he borrows a costume and he became the amazing, you know, Nightcrawler. So where he can wear the costume and they won't see his face, oh, yeah. but he can the still vamp around and help people. So <laughs> see, and there crazy. you go. It, it, it yeah. works. The way he said it. Oh, I love that line where he was talking to them in X-Men too. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Uh, did Please. you, because now you're going through DC stuff. Are you reading, are you reading uh, Shazam? Yeah. Uh, I like the concept of the story. It's just going really slow. That's what I feel like for a lot of these DC like stories, the concepts are like okay, but they're going so slow. Yeah, Why are they I going so slow? Shazam <laughs> is one of my favorite characters, and I've been waiting yeah. for a while for someone mm-hmm. to jump back in and, and do Shazam. And they did, they did the miniseries mm-hmm. recently that uh, had him going to the underworld and helping Black Adam or whatever. Right. And that was fine. And then they did this one. It's like, oh, it's an entire reboot. It's like, you know, a callback to the olden days. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do this. And then in the right. last issue, Zeus took over Billy's mind and basically almost had him kiss a woman. And I'm just like, who, a, who, an evil villain woman? I'm just like, oh, gods. You know, and huh, God's that uh, was unintentional, but it works. Uh, but like, like, I hate that. that, and I hate that, and and I feel that a problem that some people have with Shazam is that, or characters like Shazam is that, oh, I have to em- emphasize that it's bad. Sometimes it's bad to be Captain Marvel or whatever name you choose to call him, and they even renamed him the Captain this time, which is okay, whatever. But uh, like, I don't like this arc because like, if the gods could manipulate Billy. At, with his powers why the heck didn't they do that before maybe they have done it before i don't know but well remember yeah. back in rebirth everyone's all the Justice league are getting their rebirth books and everything but except hal jordan because reasons but now but they gave him a, a new book for now dawn of bc yeah. sure, who forgot hal jordan didn't have a book for a while actually yeah. he well, was, was kind of like on the back burner for a minute DC console yeah. because of what happened with the lantern which has gotten that has gotten so convoluted i can't even remember everything yeah so you know, and, and that's the problem yeah. with comic books because after a while, things do just get so convoluted that you need the reboot, which is where us indie people come in because it's like we have one right. series, we don't have all these multiple things going yeah. on. Yeah, and, and like th- this week, I, I I I always personally just go on League of Comics because so I I can see what's coming out new. A great website for anyone's out there who's new to comic books, League of Comics website. I'm not sponsored. Uh, so people always say, "How do I get in it? I don't want to just jump in for a random series." Don't worry. You click on the book you want to buy. You hit the tab where it says series. It'll tell you exactly where to start and what date that got released to. So that see, that's the thing. I, that's to me, that's the best web website for new people and you know people that are still prime in the game. There's a lot of prime this week. Who's one this week? American Psycho. And everyone, everyone loves that movie. There's a comic book coming out based around that movie too, with the Christian Bale artwork too. It looks, my God, that looks absolutely amazing. I have to pick this up. I have to because wow. I just ah. Uh, I mean, if I, I don't even care about reading, I have to frame it. So if, if girls walk in room, they're like, huh, leaving. <laughs> oh, God. There's, um, 
what else is coming out this week? There's a lot of good stuff coming out this week, apparently. You have X-Men, like you said. You have X-Men Red, Wolverine number 38, Amazing Spider-Man number, number 35, Green Lantern issue number four, Batman Robin number two, Batman City of Madness issue number one. DC Black Label's just basically Batman Elseworld one-off stories. They don't ever tell you Pretty that, much. but, you know, it's like a, hey, you know, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> they call yeah. it DC Black Label. <laughs> Crazy. Black Label Bat- Batman's costume is black. It's DC Black Label, but it's all based around Batman. Good not, job, DC. Not Thank not you. all of it. There have been others, but, you know, most, they do. Most of the best stories are through Batman. Hmm. Uh, uh, have you been going through, are you, are you, gonna, I forget, you're on Spider-Man right now. Remember uh, Dan Slott did Superior Spider-Man? Say it again? Remember Dan Slott did a Superior Spider-Man? Yeah, that's uh, coming back. He's coming back. Yeah, Blade. I'm here watching Blade. There's a Magneto issue number three. What is? I love Magneto. That's, that's, oh. not, the, that's not what it appears. That's not that's not to the, tied to the current canon. They, they, okay. Like, yeah, there's certain characters are having like these like offshoot stories. Like Storm has one right now, but that's not tied to current canon. <sighs> there was a Mag... How did I not know this? There was a Mag. I love Magneto. That's my favorite of the X Men characters. I love this character. How have I not seen this story? Oh, seems like maybe some I'll, I'll dip my my money into. Who knows actually? But given your uh, new uh, adventure you're on, so how you liking it? Getting your uh, how's the process been for your new uh, Kickstarter campaign? Actually, uh, it's going well. We uh, at the time of this recording, we are mm-hmm. fully funded. We have fifty six backers. So very happy awesome. about them. Okay. We were funded in like less than two days. So that was really nice. Again, I lost that back the other day, but I, well, we shall we shall prevail and everything. But uh this is the end of the second volume. So I feel this is a perfect time for people to catch up. So we have rewards that'll help you catch up on the entirety of the series, all eight issues. You can get them digitally, you can get them physically, you can get drawn into the book. You can get beat up in the book. Uh, that was a surprisingly popular reward when I posted. It's like, hey, you want to get beat up by a big muscly dude? Sure. Like, okay. Uh, you can get, and there's even rewards where you can get every, basically every single comic I have ever made uh, for either $15 or $150, depending if you want physical or digital. And uh, Oh, you have a website people can go to and buy your books? Right? Uh, not, not, we, I have an Amazon page. Uh, just okay. like author Todd Black, or uh, mm-hmm. I'm on Global Comics. I have most of my series there. Okay. And uh, so I'm proud about that. But uh, took uh, Kickstarter is a place where you can get like all of them in one shot, pretty much, mm-hmm. including some that aren't available on other sites for one reason or another. Uh, like I have, I have a wrestler biography that I've written. That one you can get on the Kickstarter. So, and for those of you who never heard about Tokyo Blade Detectives, it's totally fine. Like I said, you can catch up on the whole series. It's about uh, Japan 200 years in the future. Guns have been outlawed, and to fill the power vacuum, they make laser swords. Can't say the other word, so it's laser swords. And now the capital of Tokyo is in chaos. Five factions have risen up to try and take over, and a 16-year-old detective named Miko is going to get a case that will change everything. And I'm very proud of this series. I love this series. And I'm I'm happy we're already fine with number eight, but I'm hoping we can get to 100 backers. So if you want to check it out, you can find it on kickstarter.com, Tokyo Blade Detectives number eight, and I hope you will give it a chance. So given the current landscape of the movies and TVs going on, and you said you just recently watched the Silicon, you finished All the Murders in the Building. How do you feel about the, uh, you said you like DC or Marvel for certain instances, how did you feel about the DCEU? Because it's ending I, this year, which is crazy. Yeah, I, I'm that might be my hottest take of the whole podcast. Um, we all okay. If you don't know what's happened to the DCEU, you've been living under a rock. Like actually uh, living under a rock. Like, like <laughs> yeah, head but, in the sand. You're like nothing else matters. Yeah, because <laughs> what happened to them is a tragedy. Like mm-hmm. I'm just being completely blunt here. What happened to the DCU is a tragedy. I, okay, I'm going to look into the camera directly for this so people don't think I'm lying. I liked the Zack Snyder movies. Okay? See? Straight face. Okay? Uh, I also liked Wonder Woman. I liked Aquaman. First Shazam wasn't too bad. Uh, I watched the video the other day. Uh, you know, when I came out, it was nice. Um, the DCU had hits, and the DCU had potential. Warner Brothers, and now Warner Brothers Discovery, ruined it they were so desperate to get an mcu to mimic the successes of other properties like deadpool that they intentionally ruined 
all the movies that or not all the movies i'll be i'll be honest but a majority of the movies and the plans that were in place for them they didn't have faith in Zack Snyder despite the fact despite the fact that he was making these good movies that were doing successfully david ayer had a hit with suicide squad they're like no we got to make it more like deadpool and it you know it did well at the box office despite being panned which is infinitely ironic for me um they could have been something great but wb was so much in a rush that they didn't have a plan they didn't enact the plan and then the plan failed and they're like well why did it fail it failed because you didn't do anything right outside of hiring certain people to do very specific movies that were your best hits they ruined it and then when zack snyder's justice league came out which was great um they were there were reports that oh this was a bad idea because it made things more divisive yeah it made things divisive because they realized how much of an idiot you were for getting rid of this man's vision in the first place and i don't i will not bash james gunn i liked i like his uh his various properties marvel and dc I will say I'm curious about some of the announcements he's made about returning characters from the DCEU, even though the DCU is a new thing. So, you know, favoritism, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. That's, but I will give him the chance. Unlike Warner Brothers with Zack Snyder and certain other people, I'm yeah. going to give him the chance to either impress me or not impress me. Right. For for me, it was... I, I, everyone knows this. I'm pretty straightforward about this all the time. I'm with anything... Zack Snyder's movies, I didn't find were that great to me personally, but I don't like how they treated him as a person. You Thank know, you. I can I can respect that opinion. Most people yeah. don't even go that far. Those are like, oh, his movies suck. He's a terrible director. A, no. B, definitely not. So <laughs> for for me, I, I I just couldn't vibe with what he was doing with the characters in general, just for my own personal taste. But I would never advocate someone get treated as badly as he did. Yeah, you know. And it's mostly on them because if they wanted something like the MC, well, first of all, that wasn't going to be him. Yeah. It's just not going to be that guy. That's, Second of all, they, to get to the MCU, you would actually have to put in the work because the MCU now, by I guess what people have said, the movie quality has not been that good. But to, for them, for the MCU to even get to where they got to, they had to stick with what they were initially planning on, right? Because yeah. for Zack Snyder, if they were trying to basically get out of using him, they could have just let him release his Justice League movie. Whether it makes a lot of money is a debate people are always going to have for the end of time. We'll never have that result. But after that, you can just get rid of him. You can literally be like, hey, we're, we're going to part ways. That would be way better than a company going, you're kind of fired because your daughter died, which is that's so fucked okay. on many levels. Hold on, right? hold on. We, we got to be clear on this. They yes. did not fire him. He left. He, yes. after, what, after what happened with Autumn, mm -hmm. that's he left because he was getting pressure from the studio to keep changing the movie. He didn't want to do it. And yeah. then he lost his daughter. He, they did not fire him, but they did make his work, his workspace intolerable. So I will not, we, we got to be clear on that. Because oh, sorry, I forgot. They indirectly kind of maybe made him step back. I would they, say. They, in, they insinuated that they, he needed to basically not be himself to make this. Movie. Right. And he was, and as a, no director should have to deal with that. So mm -hmm. no director should have to deal. He, with that. And then, but, and then it's announced when he's, you know, taking time off because this kid literally died. They bring in Joss Whedon. <laughs> and so when people say, I get it, I understand he said it too. They didn't technically fire him, but by the way they were doing their things, they didn't publicly go like, we uh, want to part ways with Mr. Zack Snyder. So I'll plus, thank you, Zack Snyder. Mm. They kind of did it in a way where it's not a, an upfront firing. It's more like giving your circumstance and conditions we're putting under this is practically firing you they kind of throughout all their decisions and all their actions wanted him out the door you know yeah it, it and i feel not, like they, they and i feel like they, they they could have literally just had him take his time off for his kid dying it just sucks and it's really bad he comes back he finishes the movie release it and if you want to get rid of him after that that's it, it's your they're your properties you get to make the decision he's gone and then after that at least it, it kind of feels like hey they, they at least took they stood by me. They wanted to see my vision through, uh, you know, fully through. But they didn't. The yeah. only, people forget, even Josh Whedon asked for more time on that Justice League movie. But Kevin Tsujihara, oh, who was the leader of DC at the time, or Warner Brothers or whatever, he didn't want to give it to him because of the AT&T, you know, merger they had going on. And they wanted to get their Christmas bonuses or something like that. So they just had to have that movie come out in November yeah. of that year. So it was a disaster. It was a disaster. All things considered. All, and and KDOT asked me, well, what would you have did if you're in a position? Because it's always a what-if scenario. It's like, what would you did? Would you have lost your bonuses and given him given him the time to work on the movie? I've been like, yeah. Because yeah. if you already know leadership is changing, 
if that's not really going to matter for a for like the person putting out the movie divisions, right? Leadership is changing. It, people for back then, even for back then, the leadership changed, but the movie everyone also had their jobs. It's just AT T taking over. That's it. They weren't like pushing out the movie people. They kept them. Yeah. All, all, other movies still came out, and then you had the other angle that I would just say it would look better. It would be better optics if they had did it that way. Why couldn't they have done it that way? Well, stupidity, greed, the usual. Ego, you know, you know. Ego. Like, I told people, yeah. I, I, I don't. His style is not for me. But you can't just treat people like that. You don't. Yeah. He, it's not right. I can't yeah. vibe with that. You know. Yeah. And, and then when the, then when the you know release of Snyder Cut happened, the the fans of that, the ones who actually supported it, they were being called so many bad things, including myself. Like mm-hmm. if you or if you're a Snyder fan, you're apparently part of a cult. And I'm like, have you seen my hair? No cult has this hair, okay? And I'm sorry, like I, I don't know what cults raise money for uh, suicide awareness and prevention, right? Because yeah. we we raise like a million dollars for that. I don't know a cult that does that, okay? Mm-hmm. Do we support Zack Snyder? Sure. Are there people who support him way too much? Yes, there are. But I can say the same thing about MCU people because I've seen them on the internet or Star there's Wars people. There's crazies in everything. Yeah. You know, there's crazy activists and everything that no, no one. If we're, people understand, nobody, even people inside those fandoms, like you're saying, like you're saying, no one likes those people. They hate those people. They're they're not I good like for it. anything. They're, yeah. They're, I I saw someone who said that the movie The Batman with Robert Pattinson was a failure because it didn't make a billion dollars. I'm like, okay, first of all. The movie was still reeling from the the movie industry is still reeling from the pandemic. It was a very specific t- kind mm-hmm. of Batman take, and not every Batman movie has made a billion dollars. Not everything is going to be the Dark Knight trilogy, and even the Dark Knight trilogy didn't have all billion dollar makers. Batman Begins wasn't a billion dollar maker, if I recall correctly. You know, that's true. So let the latest two that did it. We sometimes that's... have this impossible standard for movies, Marvel and DC, among others, that you know yeah. they have to do this. That's not fair because of circumstances, because of quality, because of timing and placement, you know. Movie it, budgets it, too. Because I think because I think people uh, don't ever see it from a point of view of if you're looking at it from a studio point of view. It's two point of views. I like to look at it. A studio point of view is marketing budget, a movie's actual budget, and what it has to make. Because I think fans don't understand that they're not doing some of the stuff for the good of their health. This stuff has to make money. It has to make legitimate profit now because in business there's a difference between making money making profit and breaking even they need to make profit like big huge numbers so these movies they when these like big blockbuster temples come out they have to make money it's just kind of the nature of this you know and for a fan since if you already supported a movie in my opinion in making good money kind of is irrelevant to you but then again if it has to make a lot of money because that's how people ask for sequels and all that stuff. But even in movie history, some movies have made nothing and still gotten sequels, which, which is crazy. And actually. some movies have made a lot of money and it took them forever to get a sequel like, oh, I don't yeah. know, Avatar? <laughs> which <laughs> then came out and made billions of dollars. See, sometimes waiting is a good thing. Yeah. James Cameron, yeah. how do you do it? Mm-hmm. And, th- and th- this is the thing with the uh, BVS. I remember BVS's budget was huge and the marketing budget was huge. So by just a money point of view, it would have to have made a billion dollars just on st- like money alone just to, to get in some profit. And that's crazy too. And th- it, that wasn't even Zack Snyder's fault. No, that and that, that's not like any director's fault for that. Movie budgets have ballooned so badly, even from back then. Remember, BVS budget like $250 million. Counting in marketing, if you go by the actual official reports, is 100 more million in marketing. So it's like the budget all feels like, 350 million. So the movie has to hit like a billion dollars just off base alone for it to make profit. Yeah. And that shouldn't be that way. No. Why what what made budgets get this big? Superhero movies. Right. Like budgets Crap. have been been ballooning hard. Yeah, so when fans, so when you know fans were like, it didn't make a billion dollars. I think they're, not, they're looking at it from a different point of view. Whenever I say that, I say from a money standpoint, it has to do that. It had to have done that. Yeah, just from a money standpoint. But then again, DVD sales. They, I don't technically count that, but they do. So you have DVD sales, they said, or you, you know, you license the movie out to different networks like FX that get some money too. So maybe the movie did on the back end of other revenue streams make a billion dollars, but just from a money standpoint, yeah. it had to have done that. But given the budget that they gave him, I mean, these are like sink or swim budgets, though. Yeah, they can be. And, but again, they also have to remember that the the theatrical version of BVS, which I really enjoyed, and I know many people did. 
that was like the first movie that had the serious WB edits. That's why there was the Ultimate Edition, which I have not seen yet. But everyone who has told mm. me is like, no, it's vastly superior to the theatrical version. Even people I know that have hated that first theatrical cut, like you said, have that actually given like the Ultimate Edition is pretty good. See, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, and it is. <laughs> and like I, and I, I, although I highly doubt it'll ever happen. Sadly, if we were to ever get the David Ayer version, the you know the Ayer cut of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> I feel that it would be the movie that we were promised. And because he has said it's entirely different. Things happen. We know things right. happen in it that don't happen in the theatrical version for numerous reasons. Mm-hmm. And I would want to see that because he does. I feel he deserves that. But whether it happens, you know, there was a new report now that says that uh, WB is going to be bought by Universal. So, oh, no, I know. I don't know. So, like, they're. I'm not saying the DC. Yeah, is new. You know, that's that's said... not what I'm saying, but they have. Yeah. They, got to get their stuff together like you're gone no man i i fully agree with you man and yeah. it's one of these things where i wouldn't want universal getting them i kind of like the competition so i would want apple to buy them why can't apple just be like you know what we'll just buy you i i don't know apple doesn't need any more power let's just be honest that's true they don't need any more power. neither does microsoft because microsoft essentially owns a lot of the video game world now well, based off their recent acquisition they, they're trying to like they still oh, I forgot, have, hasn't fully gone through yeah, well true. not just yeah. that but like even with their acquisitions like bethesda now activision blizzard mm-hmm. um they still got ground to make up like they, they are mm-hmm. they are buying like the biggest things possible but you know sony and nintendo are still here or mm-hmm. they're here and i like I, i'm a nintendo fanboy born bread mushroom fed so i like making fun of microsoft all the gosh dang time did and, you uh like the mario brothers movie that, that came out earlier, earlier this year Hot take. I never saw it, and I don't have an intention to. What? Same ah. here. <laughs> it's not well, that I never have an intention of seeing it. It's more it, like, when it came out, I love Mario, but I don't know. When it comes it, to watching new movies, it's just always a a, a, a dice roll. For, yeah, well, that, that's an excellent way of putting it. For mm-hmm. me, it's just, I'm not saying I wouldn't like it. I might like it. I'm not going to be, I. whether it's a TV show, movie, comic, video game, whatever. I go in with an open mind. As yes, sometimes there are times when I have like that expectation. You know, right. I need to I need it to be good. Like I know what's come before and I know it can be great if they did this, this, and this. But other times, especially with newer properties, I go in with an open mind, say, let's just let this thing speak for itself. After watching all the trailers for the movie and hearing Chris Pratt as Mario, which I still oh God. Um, I just had no interest in it. And then as I heard like reviews which, uh, you know, were middling at times, I heard about what happened in the story, and it just didn't intrigue me at all. And, hey, it made a billion dollars. I'm so happy for that. I really am. Yeah, they made a lot of money through it. They made so much money, and now Jack Black might sing Peaches at the Oscars. This is the world we live in, and that's great for them. But based on every even the team behind the movie i had to write to talk about stuff on my own podcast but even mm-hmm. the team behind the movie said that they at times the movie was hanging on by a thread <laughs> okay like right. plot wise where they were going with it bowser was completely different on one take on the movie you know they were like mm-hmm. they were you know speeding up the plot because they didn't want to like wait too long for the kids to understand things I'm like first of all kids are smart when you actually give them something meaningful to watch like i grew up sure. in those kinds of cartoons and movies like you know the good era yeah yeah so. you, you could follow that stuff back then yeah. i'm not saying kids are starting like not gonna be able to understand but it's they're thinking too hard about that kind of yeah. stuff yeah like the case in point in the spider-man animated series from the 90s there is a mm-hmm. episode where we find out mary jane isn't actually mary jane she's like this water recreation and mm-hmm. i'm like and then we watch her like dissolve in peter parker's arms that's emotionally damaging and i knew exactly <laughs> what was going on okay and i'm like this and i'm like oh my gosh it wasn't mary jane the whole time so like you know if i can endure that i can endure a movie with an actual mario plot mm. so but you know it people liked it some people didn't it's gonna get a sequel eventually we're probably gonna get a, a, a nintendo cinematic universe okay so who's thrown yeah it's it's one of those movies where i will i because people understand we, we i do movies here i do all that kind of stuff i will eventually get to it it's more like it's on the back burner it's kind of like yeah. yeah honey i'll mow the grass when i get home god i never mow the grass actually <laughs> it's kind of that thing oh god right. and so to offer a few more things i want to ask you before we uh wrap this up which yeah. is what's your outlook now on a lot of the 
state of the entertainment industry as it is right now pertaining to video games, books, TV, anime, whatever it may be. We're screwed. Oh, no, we are. Oh, yeah. No, I'm just, <laughs> the writers and actors strike we just had, which by the record, fully support the writers and actors. I want to be a future TV movie writer myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was the fact that it, honestly, the fact that it took this long to get that strike was, was tragic. And mm-hmm. you're, I'm sure you saw all the stories, like the behind-the-scenes stuff and all that. Yeah. And, like, what the studios were doing to these writers and these actors was deplorable. And, you know, and, and now here we are in October, and the only new shows that we have are the streaming stuff that's already been done for a long time, like Only Members in the Building, Ahsoka, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, or like the the shows that don't actually need a script, like your survivors, your amazing races, all the dumb, you know, dating shows and all that, mm-hmm. buddy games or the heck that is, you know, that's our purgatory that we're in right now. Because eventually the streaming stuff is gonna stop and because remember the actors are still on strike and we're we're just gonna be stuck with this stuff until they finally get everything fixed. So that does not make me happy. I'm happy with the new deal that we got, or the 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 writers got, and eventually mm-hmm. the actors, no doubt. But we are still in this period right now where the studio higher ups want one thing, like one thing, and the writers are here saying, you know, but we have this idea, we have this idea, we have this idea. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, can I make a cinematic universe off of that? that's not really the point here you know <laughs> um not everything has to be a like a thousand spinoffs you know yeah. uh like only mirrors in the building made a joke where what this uh struggling actress finally gets a role in a big hollywood production and it's how, how do they say it uh like like law and order no it wasn't no it was, it was gray's anatomy family burn unit <laughs> or yeah it was, it was gray's anatomy la family burn unit and i'm like yeah, that's Hollywood for you. So, and, and and they said it as a joke, but I'm like, no, that's the most realistic joke ever. Mm-hmm. But we are we are still in that place, and we need more originality. A great example, ironically, is Barbie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, like, who thought that a Barbie movie would make a billion dollars? And then Greta Ger- Greta Gerwig, I believe her name was. Uh, like, she mm-hmm. directed it the way that she knew she needed to. Being honest, being blunt talking about what barbie is to a lot of people and what she shouldn't be to a lot of people and the movie made a billion dollars and it was praised for its originality and potentially is technically the best movie of the year depending on how you view it mm-hmm. uh and they paired it with oppenheimer which is also God doing tier. very well that's well, 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 which tier. also shows christopher nolan is a household name because people yep. know who that is yep. stuff is if people said it's because going on because of batman well you do popular things to get known people that's just how things work in life i don't know it what is, to tell you man. yeah but I want more originality. Like, only murders in the building, I can't keep saying it, but, like, that show was so original despite it just being, like, a murder mystery. Like, they took it in directions that all these other shows wouldn't even dream about. Mm-hmm. And I love it because of that. And there are certain uh, other streaming shows that, you know, they, they take those those risks, those new directions, and they don't try to, mm-hmm. you know, make an infinite franchise. They just try to make something that's very good and see how long they can mm-hmm. take it. And I want more of that. Now, do I like certain you know sitcoms procedurals absolutely i do i I enjoy it very much they do make up the bulk of what i love but if the quality ain't there i ain't gonna watch it right and uh, like a man mentioned earlier which is um looking at the writer strike and going through that is you you understand there's nothing new getting created so whatever is released this year whether it's a whatever medium you're in now that's it nothing else new is getting created for next year we're gonna be in there there's so going to be a weird content drought, which there's people like you to come up with your own, you know, indie stories right there. And there's people out there doing their own inter- in, uh, independent media, actually. So it's going to be a weird landscape to navigate through, actually, moving forward to next year. Yeah. So, so I appreciate what we have. And when, mm-hmm. when things do come back, you hope for something more and better. So, yeah, the very last thing I'll ask you is, there, is there any special shout-outs you want to give to anyone in particular and anything else you want to say before we head out? Um, well, to anyone who is watching this who has supported me in the past, I thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I w- when I was reaching out to certain people about the Kickstarter, he goes, oh, I had this one guy go, oh, you know, I'll support you. I really love your work. And I'm like, well, I appreciate it, man. He goes, hey, I like quality. That's just the way it is. And mm-hmm. that never... Please don't fail to tell the creators that you support that you enjoy their work. 
it really matters, you know, especially for having a bad day. If they, we hear that like a fan liked our book, it really matters. Like I love when I get repeat customers at Comic Con, and they go, "Oh, I love this book. I want to see what else you have." Mm-hmm. That that means the world to people like us because we we yeah. we, put, we put our heart and soul into these creations, whether it's the writing, whether it's the art, whatever. Every um, once in a while, it just feels good to hear that someone actually cares about something you're doing. Exactly. We we all, we all need those, you know, mm-hmm. and. Um, so to all of you who have supported me, thank you. To all those who are just finding out about me and my gray hair, thank you. And I hope you support me and check out my stuff. And again, Tokyo Blade Detectives number eight. We're on right now on Kickstarter. We're going to the end of the month. I hope you'll give it a shot. I think it's a really great story with some really fun action and art. And I don't think you'll be disappointed. And again, you can catch up on the entire series by do, by uh, pledging to certain rewards. And we got some really good ones still left. So please, please consider giving it a chance. All right. So uh, thank you guys for watching this episode of the Iron Man podcast. Uh, this was a great time having you on for the first time. And uh, you know what's crazy, guys? Todd doesn't even follow me on Twitter, actually. He hates me. Well, I mean, okay, we're going to break kayfabe here. Let's let's talk. Let's do real talk. I asked to come on the show, and he goes, yeah, let me get you a time. He doesn't message me for <laughs> nine days. Then he does give me a time in two hours after the <laughs> message. And I'm like, dude. <laughs> Oh, hold on. I was doing it like my dad. He said he was going to be in my life, and he's not here. Oh, and he came for a few times, and then he left again. This got dark. I was giving you my black experience. I'm just kidding, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've been... Black I've been, uh, experience? Right oh, uh, great. Great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Two on the nose. The, the ironies of ironies here uh-huh. is, is crazy. <laughs> but I will apologize to anyone who's watching. So if I gave you a time, and my whole life has been... Let's say upside down for a hot minute because moving, getting things together, working, doing these shows. Oh, my goodness. I, I do apologize, man. I'm so sorry. I've been met by so many people to try and get on. But glad I finally had to get you on and, and talk to you because I saw you were doing some good stuff. So, you know, I always got to bring on the successful people here uh, to show you. people the newbies, how it's done. You know, you're like an old man now in this game. You're like, oh, I back in old. my day. <laughs> I feel old. Trust me. I feel old. Well, thank you guys for watching. Uh, hopefully you guys support Mr. Todd's books and his future endeavors, actually. Follow him on Twitter, and we'll see you guys later.